0: So I hope it doesn't distract you, but the hair is a little off today. Uh, I washed it this morning, but it was one of the quickest showers I've probably had.
1: I feel like there might be a story here. Or is that just a new a new Chris? No.
0: okay. so uh, you want to know how you can tell a guy's busy when a disaster happens and it's like a week and a half later and he still hasn't gotten to it yet. And it's like, no, that's on my list. It's so funny when people like hit me up with stuff. I'm like, yeah, no, I'll totally get to it. like, and they have no concept of like what my to-do list looks like. (sighs) Crazy. Just crazy. About, about a week and a half ago, Brent, in the town the studio is at, a water main just exploded and the entire roadway became a, river. It was, Whoa. I mean, it was like halfway up to trucks deep. It was seriously <laughs> deep. And it just gushed for hours and hours and hours. Well, I picked the wrong time to do a load of dishes or something because they had to shut off all of the water to the entire town. So that they, it's just no water. And so I'm like, all right, well, screw this. I'm out of here. And I took off and I left, right? Because, you know, guys got to have water. I get back the next day, early in the morning, and the water is still turned off. I'm like, oh, geez, this is really bad. And it's, it's also just extremely hot. So, you know, people want to water their gardens and all that kind of stuff, and we've got no water. And I, it doesn't even, doesn't even dawn on me that I've done a, a load of dishes and that I have drained the hot water tank.
1: Oh, no, I see where this is going.
0: But there's been no, I assume, right, at this point, there's been no water to refill the hot water tank. And so it just ran on empty, I guess, and it burned itself out. And this is about a week and a half ago. And I, I just, I just today I got out there to look at like the air lights that are flashing on it. It's like this Honeywell controller with seven blinking lights. So I look up seven blinking lights, right, for the controller. You know,
1: that doesn't seem like a normal operating uh, status.
0: No, trying to conjure the best Google results possible, and of course, what I get is turn off the gas and call a technician. So I did the right thing and I just left the gas on
1: and I just keep hoping the water heats up. <laughs> oh <my> goodness! <laughs> I've got time to deal with that. You know, what's extra funny about that, Chris, which I, I feel uh, bad about your situation. Cause yeah, that's a totally, you, you did the perfect thing to burn that thing out. So I, I think the solution is clear. You need some new elements or something. But, um, <laughs> the hilarious part is that for about a week and a half, I, too, here at Alex's, have been having hot water issues. <laughs> and <laughs> his uh, his system here is one of those on-demand systems. And uh, so it gets this blinking, like, error 12. And you look at error 12, you know, and it's a no-flame error. So I've been for, like, days... Diag- trying to diagnose this thing. I had the whole thing apart, like th- things unplugged and like all sorts of stuff. And so Alex was like, "You know what? It's not worth your time. I'll just call a technician. It's totally fine." And it has been since last Tuesday, which is about, well, that's that's exactly a week since I've we've been trying to coordinate a technician just to show up. And twice they were scheduled and never showed up and I Oh, you know that feeling. And it just gets me going. And I, I, anyways, I just got a message as we're recording here. Apparently Alex has set up something else. Third time's a charm, right? Oh man. So we're both taking cold showers this week. That's what you're saying? (laughs) Oh, this morning's shower. Yeah. I think I'm a little better than you in that I get about, if I reset the thing, I get about six and a half minutes of hot water before it starts airing out, so I c- I've i got these showers time now.
0: Oh yeah, you could do a shower in six and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this shower in three minutes, so you could do...
1: <laughs> That's why I'm half-shaven, so that I don't have to spend extra minutes. It's Office Hours, with me, Chris.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome on into the office. We are getting ourselves prepared best we can with sponge baths. This week's because... We got lots to talk about. <laughs> you know what, Brent? Come on and get here. Come on, you smell great, by the way. You smell great.
1: Hello, hello. Oh, good. Yeah, we'll smell great together. That's great. Thanks.
0: It's been a rough week. It's been a real rough week. Uh, this is a drinking episode. I I should have, <laughs> I should have brought a drink with me. I had a drink before the show, but I should have. You know, I should have brought one in here so I could get I could get
1: proper sauce for this episode. But by, by sauce, do you mean hydrated, right? No. Oh, okay, 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 got it, clear.
0: No, I mean, barely, barely able to speak. A sure sign that it's going to be a bad week is if you see something missing from an RSS feed, if a web page doesn't load, you know, it's an inconvenience for you because you want to listen to your podcast. But for me, it's like a crisis, you know, and it's just we had service provider outages totally outside our control, and then we had some of the tools that we've built over the years fail us a little bit. And the two things just kind of came together at different times to just make it a really stressful week. And, eh, you know, it's a bummer because everybody works so hard. So when the systems fail, you feel like it, it extra hurts because you hit your mark. Everybody did their thing. Everybody contributed their piece. We, we did everything in the right order at, on time, which is, you know, it's a thing when you're, you know, you got a weekly cadence. It's a well-oiled
1: machine, I will say from week to week.
0: And so it's an accomplishment when we all hit our mark every single time, every single week, and we do it for years on end. Every time we do it, I'm proud of the entire team, you know, and we have this little Slack channel that we have that when the automation system publishes an episode, it lands in there as like this episode has now gone out and every single time, I think, you know, this this is such a great team and they've worked really hard. And then a component fails and it's like, no matter how well everyone executed, in the entire chain, it didn't matter because it still didn't go out, right? It's like, it, it's just, it's the worst feeling in the world. Outages happen. And so this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about early decisions people make when they're building their stack that just influence the way things run for years after. And also, I wanted to talk a little bit about where we draw the line on what we self-host versus what we decide to let somebody else host what we automate versus what we do manually because whenever there's an outage like this that's both in the hosting end and in the tooling end this is something I reflect on and I just wanted to share that with you guys while it's still fresh and raw a little bit but before we get there I think you and I need to talk a little positive stuff a little community stuff because uh, this morning you messaged me on a show day asking me to ele- elevate your privileges on the meetup site so that way you could
1: do something with the meetups. I have
0: no idea what. I just took your word for it and gave you the rights. I didn't even ask you what you're
1: doing. <laughs> I know when to ask, so you just go, yep, done. Yeah. I don't, whatever you need, whatever you need.
0: <laughs> well done then, sir. Um, So what's going on? I know we have the London meetup like just a, the day after this episode posts publicly, um, and I know you're also kind of doing some low-key stuff over there in Raleigh, so... Update us. Give us give me something, you know, good. Give me something to be happy about.
1: Well, it occurred to me as I was looking at the calendar that I have been here a little while and I'm leaving soon. And it was always my intention to do a little tiny micro meetup. I didn't want to create a big, huge thing and take away from, you know, the meetups like the London meetup it's happening about the same time. Um, so I thought a great way to connect with people would be to create a little matrix room in our uh, matrix server dedicated to Raleigh, the environment, because I remember when we had the meetup here, we were really impressed at how wonderful everybody was. And everybody was like exchanging phone numbers and email and and all the other, probably more modern technologies to stay connected. And uh, we thought, Hey, wouldn't it be great if we create a permanent space where everyone who's here and everyone who couldn't make it, but is in the area could stay in contact. And it occurred to me that that might, you know th- my excuse to want to hang out with some of these people on this trip would be a great way to kick that off. So you mentioned giving me elevated privileges to meetup.com. All I did was I um, sent a message out to everyone who attended the last meetup here in Raleigh and uh, invited them to join our matrix room. get a little something going. Get a little something going. So I I did notice like a minute and a half, after I sent that message out, people started streaming in. So I think it's working. I haven't quite checked out on it uh, recently, but I think we're doing all right. So my my end goal for this week, of course, Office Hours is coming out on Friday. So uh, if you're listening to this, you're going to have to really speed your speed yourself up. But I'm hoping to have a little tiny maybe a restaurant meetup uh, this weekend. I'm open to uh, hearing what people suggest and we'll see what happens. And I'll report back when it happens.
0: When we create these new matrix rooms, and I know it can be hard to keep track of, we have what's called a space, a Jupiter Broadcasting space. It's a directory of all of these rooms. So when we make a new Raleigh meetup space or the West Coast crew meetup space, we are putting these in a space where you can just look at that one space. I'll I'll put a link in the show notes if I remember. Help me remember, Brent. Sure. Uh And um, once you look at that space, it's a directory of all these different rooms. And We were talking on the stream before we started the show. Brent and I, and I know Wes and Alex feel the same way, are of the opinion that Raleigh is an area of the United States that Jupiter Broadcasting wants to invest in just from like a community standpoint, because, I mean, we had nearly 200 people at the meetup when we went there. There were people from all areas of the tech industry. So we got a really broad representation of both the free software side of the industry and also the commercial side of the industry. And um, it just felt like an area that was worth going back to. So this Raleigh room that we've created is kind of like what we're doing with the London meetup. Alex is going out there. He's the tip of the spear. He's going he's gonna to kind of create a community over there. He's going to kind of create the pathways for organizing a meetup over there. And then that's something that if it's successful, we can build upon and we can do more of down the road. And uh, it's my intention Although who knows, you know, I I am a dad of three young children, but and travel is crazy right now. But it's my intention over time to do more of this kind of stuff, to do more going to places where industry is and going to places where listeners are, because we have some really well-connected, really informed listeners that are deep into this stuff. And I can gain a lot of knowledge and experience from that, that I can share with the rest of the audience that we can put on the air. And so it's something that we want to continue to do. And I think Raleigh is going to be one of our key areas going forward. So if you're out there, join the room. We'll put a link in there in the show notes at uh, officehours.hair slash nine. And then you can find the link in there and and join up. And even even if it's after you've heard this, you know, maybe you're hearing this a little bit after uh, Brent's in town. We'll be back.
1: Yeah, the idea is for the room to be a long-term thing. So if you've missed me, don't worry. I'll be back at some point. Um, But the idea is to also just enable you all to connect Uh, while we're not there as well. So use the room freely. It's yours. It's a gift. I do have a few stats for you, Chris. So, uh, I, I think I made that room maybe two hours ago, three hours ago, and there are already 10 people in there. So that's something, I mean, uh, you and I are in there, so maybe that doesn't quite count, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but also I wanted to compare, uh, you know, we had such a great success out here in Raleigh. And on the meetup page, I did notice that there were about just slightly over 100 people who RSVP'd to that. And I noticed that for the London meetup, we're at like 116. So I think Alex might have to keep that in mind when he's uh, organizing last minute for the London meetup. I think it's going to be a huge success.
0: Yeah, you and I know that 116 means 200.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> it's funny. It's funny,
0: right? Because like 60 will mean 40. And over 100 means 200. It's just, it's just the way these things work. It's the strangest thing. But that's definitely something I've learned over the years.
1: Good. I think he's going to have a blast. Me too. I'm, I'm feeling pretty jealous over here.
0: I, I hope he gets so charged up, you know, for like another year of self-hosted podcasts.
1: Because I know you and I get
0: super charged up from these events.
1: He also made those new stickers he brought with him. So we'll see how the feedback goes with that.
0: Oh, boy. I hope it goes smooth. By the time this comes out, it's just going to be absolutely days away. I have so many things I could talk to you about, but I wanted to talk about this outage that we had Monday night. Earlier this week, every single show page was down. Every single show page.
1: Every, every show, every site. It just, <laughs> That's why we have our own website now. Oh, wait, we didn't do that yet. Not yet. Not yet.
0: Yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. And, you know, I want to say before I get into this too far, uh, Fireside FM has been a really good service and it's totally worth the money, even with the outages. And Dan Benjamin has built a good team over there, but I've been a Fireside customer since nearly the beginning. And, uh, a lot of our friends in the Linux podcasting space noticed and have also started using Fireside. So I think we've brought a lot of business to Fireside too. And I, I would also, although I don't know, Uh, other well i guess i do know i have been i have been emailed i've been told by fireside that we are on the higher end of uh, amount of downloads that the service gets and as a result for some of our shows we pay a very very high (laughs) special rate that isn't publicly listed anywhere on fireside's page but if you get this is not a humble brag it's just the reality if you get as many downloads as we do you end up getting a note that you got to pay or you got to (laughs) go. And so we pay a rate that is beyond what is listed on the Fireside service. And, um, you know, for years, I felt like I really got what I paid for, even at the elevated rate. But now I'm not so sure. Um, If you look at Fireside's public Twitter page, I don't think they've even tweeted for a couple of months. There's features that we have been waiting on, like network support, podcast network support, since before our acquisition by Linux Academy we were making internal plans to adapt. And now here we are, almost three years independent post-acquisition, and the features still haven't shipped. <laughs> I mean, like, it's just one of those things, right? Maybe
1: we're the only one asking for it.
0: I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, I think perhaps the attention is focused elsewhere. Podcasting 2.0 has been a thing, and initially Fireside was really great. Uh, they've done it. They've done good chapter support Uh, They have hosts and guest support in the uh, namespace spec, which is nice. So that way, you know, in the show notes, you can see who the hosts of the show are, who the guests are. That's part of the podcasting 2.0 spec and Fireside supports that. And I, I am grateful for that. But the live tag, the social tag, the value tag, nothing from Fireside. It's been a couple of years and nothing. And I've also had uh, situations where an episode was just totally dead, couldn't download. And we could see that the page had been rendered several times. And by the third time it had been rendered by the fireside servers, the download link didn't work. And I captured that, I documented it, I submitted it to them in a ticket. They got back to me two or three days later, might have been even more than that, and said, I don't see an issue. Hope everything's okay. Three days of your show being, of being unavailable to download is, is killer. I, we uh, Ultimately, we nuked the post, we recreated the post, and everything worked. But there's just been weird issues like that. And so the question that comes up from the technically savvy audience is, well, guys, why don't you just host this yourself?
1: Yeah, I know what goes into that question. <laughs> it seems like a relatively easy one to ask and a hard one to answer.
0: Yeah, and so I thought we'd talk a little bit about that. And those things do change with time. There's a post that I'll have linked in the show notes that I thought was actually pretty wise. It's called The Disproportionate Influence of Early Tech Decisions. The author has a pretty long post. I'll just give you a couple of highlights here. He starts, spend five years at a hyper-growth startup like Stripe, but you could put anything in there, any, any internet-based business, I'd say, even Jupiter Broadcasting, and you see a lot of changes during that time. Organizationally, it's night and day. That's true for us. We've gone from big teams, small teams, one person team, part of a big, you know, multi hundred person company back to a small team, big organizational changes, night and day changes. We've scaled from a few people to thousands of people and the structure has adapted to those teams of those responsibilities come along. That's true for JB too, hundred percent true. And you look at all of this malleability in the corporate structure and in the team structure. And one thing that doesn't change as quickly is the tech that we've built all of this on. In fact, even as part of the Linux Academy acquisition, the core foundation of what made the JB podcast available, what our website ran on, the services that we used, all of that stuff, that didn't change infrastructure. That tech didn't change. Like Culturally and organizationally, things were changing like crazy, but those tech decisions we made years ago they stayed. Fireside remained through all of that, right? That was, those were all choices we made before Linux Academy. And even though there is a drive in those organizations to standardize, 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 you don't tend to really change those early tech decisions. You're just constantly building around them because you got to keep moving forward. Uh, the author writes, a common theme in all of these companies, we all knew that these were imperfect implementations even when they were originally added. They were added anyway in the name of velocity, with implicit assumptions baked in that they'd be shored up and improved later when there were more resources and slack time to do so. And although they certainly were shored up, they were never improved by all that much. Another common theme is that they have lived far longer than their progenitors would have ever expected. As it turned out, That slack time is chronically a vanishing rare luxury in an engineering organization, and software is always hard to change once it's firmly cemented in
1: place. Doesn't that ring true? Yeah, it made me think uh, Wes has been a a darling and he's been posting all of his discoveries as he's trying to solve some of these problems. It's like a play-by-play. And there's some stuff in there that even you were like, oh, I don't think we need that part anymore. Like that's been there for a while. And it's, there's some, I don't know, generational stuff in there that just lives on.
0: Yeah. And in a lot of ways, it's like, as long as it works, you just keep moving forward. After the Linux Academy acquisition, we took a pass at automating certain tasks. And I want to talk to you guys about this a little bit. And then we'll circle back to all of this. I think there's two school of thoughts. One is you do everything by hand. And I like this school of thought. I get it. It's artisan in a way, right? Everything is handcrafted. You record the show, you edit the show, you post the show, you do all of that yourself. You make the WordPress posts, you create the RSS feed entries, you post it manually in all the different destinations, all the different sites. You manually render out each piece. You do every single step. Maybe you got a checklist, maybe you just intuitively know it. You just do all of it. And there's a lot that I find appealing there. From a creative standpoint, it's ultimate control. It's beautiful. It's like everything is exactly how I intended. It's ultimate control. But it doesn't scale. There's a critical scaling issue there, right? It's, it's a one-person thing. And anything that you want to maintain for years, and I've been doing this for 15 years, anything you want to maintain, something like that just gets so tedious that eventually you begin to actually hate the task. You resent having to do the task. And when we were acquired by Linux Academy and we brought on a bunch of the team members as full time, you know, I was like 12, 13 years into every single episode, I create a WordPress post, I create an RSS feed, like I do all of it manually. And I was just done. I, I couldn't do another one. Like It just, I I'd reached a, I'd reached a wall and I, I was pushing through it because it had to get done. But by doing so, I was building a resentment. And that's when I realized long term, you got to automate some of this stuff. And while that seems like a great idea on the surface, you give up some of the things about that handcrafted artisan control. You give up that I touch every single step. There's a good side and a bad side to that. The bad side is you lose that handcrafted touch for everything. The good side is you don't screw it up as much because if you can do it with automation, you can do it over and over and over again, exactly like it should be done with a level of perfection that a human doing the task just simply can't. And you get scalability and you get standardization and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we automated a lot of these things, but every now and then that system breaks down and it kind of makes you rethink this entire philosophy. And that's where we were this last week. You know, I think, Brent, in part, like we realized, okay, we need to tweak this. We need to tweak this. But where I'm at now is it doesn't mean that automating the rendering of the shows and the automating the posts and automating the creation of the RSS feeds. I don't think that is a bad idea. I think it just occasionally it needs refinement as we make changes. And it also means that sometimes we make mistakes and those mistakes go out. You know, like we had several shows that just didn't post to the all show feeds,
1: They're like ripple mistakes. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's the downside. Right. And there's parallels with Ansible here. Don't you think?
1: Ooh, that is interesting. Yeah. I think one thing I like about Ansible, for instance, is that someone else could go in and read the stuff. But the whole time you've been just talking, it has reminded me in both instances, both the like artisan creator does everything instance but also this automation instance one thing we've run up against a few times is that um typically one person is the knowledge keeper of how it's built or how it works or how to solve the problems that you know for the edge cases and that's what i'm interested in tackling is like how do we how do we fix that part of it
0: and it sort of feels like that was a decision we made for velocity purposes right That was a technical decision we made a few years ago for velocity's sake that today we're like, oh, and, you know, it's not even fair to them. So I agree. There is some there is probably some areas we could tweak there, too. But I also feel like those lessons we've learned as a team, we've applied to the website. You and I just before the show started, we were talking about a fix that needed to be made. And the sequence of events is Gamma put in the poll request. You made the change. I commented on the need. Like That's true. It's It's gone from like one person can do it, right, to now like all of us are involved. And so I think we are applying that lesson to the future stuff we're building, to the stuff we're building today, which is good because I think that's the only way we can scale. But there's something inspiring about this website project. It's, it's bringing the community together in a way that's like, Better than ever before. Like, we're really building something awesome here. Like, this, the stuff that's being built, another podcaster could absolutely take and and build a system where they are their own infrastructure. You know, as long as they're comfortable using Hugo, there's something now here. I, I love that, right? It's like, I feel like, even though we do make mistakes and we are living with some technical debt, it does feel like we are absorbing the lessons from it.
1: You agree? I, I do. I think it's a it's a path it's going to take a little while to get to for instance the rss is like the thing we're both most careful about changing and also perhaps needs changing the most yeah so it's like a tricky balance there and so um, you know anybody listening to this their initial question would be well why don't you just get the new website to do the rss and what would you say to that
0: well that was the that was like everyone's like yeah we'll just have the yeah oh you got to get it's fixed feeds we'll just have, Hugo yeah we'll have the yeah Hugo can do it and a funny you know like 15 years ago when I launched all this guess what I had generate the RSS feeds the website <laughs> of course right yeah <laughs> it's a natural thing you do right you make a website post you might as well have that be the RSS thing and then I don't have to make a bunch of posts like it just seems obvious but then there's millions of reasons. You realize later that you have to do custom feeds. People want multiple different types of feeds. Mm-hmm. Video feed, this, you know, you got MP3 feeds. Back then we also had MP4 feeds. You got member feeds. You got ad-free feeds. You got all feeds. F- live stream feeds. You got, yeah, all show feeds. You got, it's just there's a lot.
1: <laughs> what have we done to ourselves?
0: And there's a lot of mix and match there. Um, and then, of course, there's new features we want to add. And uh, a lot of these platforms that auto-generate the feeds for you take years. To get those new features. Years. And, well, we want to be out ahead of everybody. We don't want to be, we don't want to be launching that stuff at the same time everybody else is. How boring is that? Right. <laughs> For a podcast, the RSS feed, it's our radio signal. That is our signal. The RSS feed matters so much, right? Because that's what powers all the podcast players. Once you're subscribed, it's the RSS feed that matters. Uh, so we got we to have complete control over that. And we got to do it the right way. And right now we're looking at a system where we generate the feed using automation because I don't want to mess it up. I know I will get it right 90% of the time, maybe even 95% of the time. And I know this because before, like three years ago, we were manually generating all our RSS feeds. We used to manually generate all of the feeds. After I decided the website couldn't handle anymore, I had to move over to manually generating them. and. For the most part, I got it right. And there was very few issues, but there were issues. And when you have a problem with RSS, it's like there's no going back because it gets cached everywhere. Podcast players, they save it locally. They download stuff. They, you don't know like how they're going to handle a new entry in the feed to replace a file. They all do it differently. It's like there's no going back. And so uh, we decided to switch to hosted RSS feed generation with Fireside because it's pretty flawless. But it just doesn't have the features we want anymore. So now we want to do it right. We got to and you got to host it right because it's a file that gets slammed all the time as everybody's you know, you got hundreds of thousands of podcast catchers out there checking an XML file and they're checking it all the time. (laughs) Oh, man. So you really got to build that in a clever way where it's cached appropriately, but it's not done in such a way that prevents you from doing quick updates. If there's a mistake or you're going live and you want to announce that It's, it's very complicated. It's one of the more complicated things we have to do, but we'll solve it, and that's why the website can't be responsible for generating the RSS feed. I mean that—that that is like ten percent of the reason why the RSS, why the website can't. That's <laughs> <laughs> not even like, that's not even that's not even the rest of it. It's just ten percent of the reason. Yeah, but it's something we got to figure out as time goes on. The website project is going really well, though, Brent. And you want to give us a brief update and maybe like. Your best case scenario for going live and maybe your worst case scenario for it going live?
1: Ooh, okay. There's a lot here. Um, I've been having a ton of fun, as we mentioned the last office hours, with the website. But not the website itself, because I, I actually haven't been that involved with the code itself. Uh, it seems like I don't even need to do that. But I've been just organizing um, some of the tasks and helping organize people. But my favorite part has been the little community that we've built around this website. It's like, you know, we have a matrix room dedicated to it. Everybody in there has been amazing and hilarious as well. And it's been super fun just to be a part of that. I've heard repeatedly from people that have said, oh, this is finally such a great way for me to give back to JB. And I can't always do it monetarily, but I can do it with, you know, commits to the repos, for instance. We have, I think I tallied it recently, we've got like 20 authors now who've submitted commits and there's over 200 commits to the repo. And I think that's kind of an amazing thing. Uh, so I, I think that's been going really amazingly well. I think better than we could have even imagined. And it's been smooth, no issues. Everybody's been working really well and in an organized fashion. So like there's not, there are no duplicates of effort and somebody's work is not being thrown out because, you know, we had already solved that problem a week ago, for instance. Um, So it's been, it's been actually working surprisingly well. I've been very, very pleased. Uh, And and I want to just put out a big thanks to everyone who's gotten involved. And if you want to get involved, there's still time because we have, I've put out, what I'm going to call a soft deadline for us to go live in just about two weeks. So that's August 15 ish. And that is strategic because our real deadline is not for another two weeks, but forget, I just said that because really we want to get it live as soon as possible. Uh, I was going through the number of tickets for our first milestone um, this morning and we're doing pretty good. I think we can get through it. So with a little bit more effort, and a little bit of concentrated, you know, time, I think, I think we can totally get there. So my best case scenario, I'm going to put this out there, is two weeks from now. So on the 15th of August, our worst case scenario would be like rushing at the deadline. And I think Chris, if you haven't like misled us, I think the deadline is the end of the month. So
0: yeah, and I think the sooner the better because you and myself and the JB backend team we need to turn our focus to the road trip as soon as possible. So oh, that, yeah,
1: <laughs> that project, <laughs> right?
0: So there's that there's that issue too, and then of course we don't want to be problem solving during the road
1: trip. Yeah, so I would say um, one thing you could do right away uh, for those listening, one thing you could do right away is go to JupiterBroadcasting.net. If, if all you do is go there and play for five minutes and try to break the thing and then let someone know how you broke it, if you did, that would be wonderful. Or if there's some feature you would love, if there's some, you know, thing missing, maybe, or even something that you think is a really great implementation, we'd love to hear it. So the best way to give that feedback, if it's an issue that you think, you know, should be recorded and someone needs to fix GitHub would be the best place for that. But if it's just some comments, um, join the Jupyter website group on Matrix. We'll have a link to that and uh, just send in your feedback there. But yeah, fuzzy fuzzy testing is really what we need at this point.
0: It's exciting. Uh, If we make your optimistic deadline, uh, I mean, even if we're around it, I think this will be the most impressive community project that JB's ever done.
1: Don't you think I, I really do? I think it might already be, uh, you know, I think the the what what's wonderful and this is very selfish of me, but what's wonderful is I could just get up in the morning and sit at my computer with my coffee. Well, it's not really coffee. It's usually tea and just like dream up the features I want on the website. And I just like, you know, type them away. And then so sometimes I do do this till like 2 a.m. in the morning and I wake up the next morning and someone's already implemented the features. It's like the most fabulous thing. And I gotta say, like that's such a cool thing that we're building, you know, in open source fashion and people are really excited to get involved. So
0: And what a great demonstration of value for value while we're talking, while this has been our conversation recently.
1: Well said.
0: Another another example of the type of value for value contribution that will pay dividends for years for us. Years. And I hope we end up with things a lot more up to date and current on this new website like when we start up the stream for office hours on tuesdays every other tuesday com broadcasting.com calendar for your local time we like we'll tell people like join our mumble room right and get in the matrix chat room and to do that go to this website to get these instructions and to do the other thing go to this other place to get these other instructions and it's just and then not only that but like the instructions aren't even necessarily current over at that other website it's embarrassing
1: it's very embarrassing. <laughs> it's like the kind
0: of thing like when you
1: do it, it's all great.
0: But like two years later, it it's out of date. And what I love about what the new website offers us is because of this GitHub workflow, if an audience member notices something, A, they can just open up an issue. But B, a lot of us can just contribute to that page, update that page on GitHub, save it, and then a GitHub action will render it out on the actual JB website and update like the matrix information page or the mumble page. It's amazing. Huge for us.
1: I think that's actually my favorite feature about all of this. I've sort of given it to myself to accomplish, you know, oh, the mumble page. uh, I think it was the matrix page is out of date since we moved servers. And we, you know, nobody went and changed that. So on the new website, there was a ticket that I put in there eons ago to update that information. And uh, nobody was working on it because I had self-assigned myself. And then I wasn't even working on it, which is mildly embarrassing. But a day or two ago, I was like, okay, someone else take this. I'm not doing a very good job, but I think I've (laughs) described it enough that it's pretty clear what needs to happen. And what ended up happening was someone very quickly just grabbed it up and said, oh yeah, I could work on that. And they came out with a version of the tutorial for how to subscribe to our matrix servers. That was like, far better than what I envisioned and could have come up with. It made me realize that maybe the best people to be making the pages to serve the listeners are the listeners, because they're the audience who has to take in this information. Uh, There was just a a moment there where I went, oh man, this is such a great thing we're building. And the, the best thing is that listeners can get directly involved and implement the features they want as well.
0: That's such a great insight. Like, who would know better than the people using it themselves? Right. That's that's not us. That's not how we interact with this. <laughs> like, if we want to listen to a show, I mean, a lot of times I will actually just go to the website and I'll listen to a show. But also, like, I've got the FLAC files, you know, like, it just, I don't, I don't interface with any of this the same way the audience does.
1: Well, and I think there are a variety of different people who interact with our, let's call them services, right? Like, you and I interact with them, but in a certain way, we have a certain perspective. But... There are new listeners. There are listeners who've been with us for a decade. Uh uh-huh. There are listeners who are experts at, you know, implementing Matrix or are brand new to Matrix. And both of the, those perspectives need to be sort of heard in implementing these features. So I think uh, I think we've tripped on a good thing here. <laughs> yeah. And there's people that are noticing stuff that
0: like would never be on my radar. Like, oh, yeah, uh, this is one that I, I love that you you mentioned you opened up here making the host and the guest page layout identical. Of course they should be, just from a a, you know, a, a, a UI standpoint. Or uh, Team Linux 01 created an issue to integrate uh, IPFS. I am absolutely on board with supporting IPFS, but I just don't have the time or really the passion to build those features in, but I'm totally on board with JB supporting
1: that. Yeah, there have been a a few blue sky ideas that have been thrown into this list. And I think it's wonderful because we can capture them while they're still fresh. And maybe we won't get to them in this next month for this first version of the website. But that's that's completely fine, because as long I think as we record them there, like there's another one I see there, light and dark theme switching uh, we've always just defaulted to dark themes for JP stuff. Cause I think we're serving ourselves. <laughs> um, but, but a switch would be, I think not the hardest thing to implement and would be really great for just usability for everybody. So that's another idea that's like, oh yeah, we can get to that in the near future. And, uh, it's really great to record there. So if anyone has some extra ideas for the website, they might even be crazy. Just throw them in there, throw them in the mix and we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, so we have the com project on the main Jupyter Broadcasting GitHub page if you want to file an issue. But really, we'd love to just get your eyes on jupiterbroadcasting.net. That's the project site. That's the development site, jupiterbroadcasting.net. Maybe use that to listen to the next few podcasts. Give it a try for maybe the next few days. And then if you run into something, let us know about it. Or if you just have some thoughts some general feedback and you'd like to get involved in the conversation like brent said we've got that matrix room which we'd love to have you in there and chatting with us about that's great and again massive thank you everyone it is a popular topic of conversation internally how awesome all of you are
1: it's true can't say it enough we'll have to make some t-shirts
0: all right so i woke up this morning to a bit of feedback that i want to talk about on the show today and i want us to kind of uh chew this a little bit and uh Have a real honest conversation about it because I think it's probably something that's on some people's mind. So uh, I want to I want to talk about the boosts across all the JB shows, the good and the bad and uh, why I think people are probably getting tired of them. And if they are getting tired of them, why I think they're probably wrong. Um, And I'll give you my case. It's not a judgment call, but I'll I'll make my case for you here in a little bit. But first, I want to say holler over to Linode. Linode.com slash Jupiter. Linode is investing right here in office hours because they want to invest in the community. I mean, this isn't like, come on, this isn't going to be JB's biggest show. And Linode is savvy enough to know that. But they also know that the community is worth investing in, that it pays dividends. And that's also why they're making our road trip possible again this year. So go to Linode.com slash Jupiter and get $100 in 60-day credit over at Linode. And you support the show. It's where we host everything that we do publicly now. Linode also has a bunch, a bunch of really nice advanced features. They support Terraform, Kubernetes, Ansible. They have a really clean, simple API that already has a bunch of pre-created libraries for Python and for Rust and for, for all the things. They also have a command line client that is choice. I really love that. In fact, a little pro tip, install the Linode command line client on your actual Linode machine, right? Right. So then when you're SSH'd into your Linode box, you could create a snapshot of that very box on that box before you do a system update. Just take it to the next level, guys. It's really easy. And, of course, they have great things like S3-compatible object storage, which you could always use as the seed for, I don't know, R2. And then you could just, like, have the most insane, great CDN with incredible reach at great prices, Oh, and by the way, Linode, 30 to 50% cheaper than the hyperscalers out there. But there's a lot of ways you can host, but none of them are as good as Linode. They've got the best support. They've got the best performance. They've got 11 data centers, and nobody else invests deep into the community, into the media, into the events, into the projects, even into things like road trips that just connect all of us together. Who else is doing that? Nobody. So go to Linode.com slash Jupiter. Support the show. Say thanks for your support. And get that hundred dollars to mess around. It's pretty fun. Linode.com slash Jupiter. So I imagine, now that we've been doing the boost for a little while and they've been getting more popular, that there is going to be a group of people out there that are getting kind of sick and tired of the boost. And uh, I heard from some of them this morning in our Matrix chat room, and I want to talk about it here on the show uh because I get it right they've been around for a little while and they described it as boost fatigue and I dug into it and I think it's worth us analyzing because I think they're wrong and if you feel the same way I think you might also want to reconsider but we'll talk about it you let me know so here's what I got is it just me this was a I won't mention who it is but you know I think they probably represent a handful of folks out there they say is it just me or has anyone else got a bit of boost fatigue not just boost, but everything related to crypto as well in recent Jupiter broadcasting shows. So let's talk about this because I do think right about now is just about when everybody's going to be kind of getting. If you're tired of it, you're tired of it about now. So this is the time to talk about it. And when I talk to these individuals in our matrix room, I ask them, okay, so if these were messages that were attached to a PayPal donation or emails that were just from our members from like the Unplugged Core or the Jupiter Party, if these were just emails from members that we were reading on the show, does it bug you as much? And the general response I got was no. I think what bugs me about the boosts is that they're associated with sats. Sats, satoshis, are crypto. And they don't like crypto. And I completely understand that perspective because I don't like crypto. And I will tell you right here, right now, when I engage in these conversations with the audience, one of the things I struggle with is when people refer to Bitcoin as crypto, I find it ignorant and triggering, right? It's like saying that you checked out HANA Montana Linux, and because HANA Montana Linux is such a joke, you're never going to use Red Hat Enterprise Linux, so, you know, as a Linux user, that would upset you, right? I, I feel triggered. Yeah. So it's when you, when you have a technical understanding of these different projects, these crypto projects, and you have a monetary understanding of these crypto projects, it's a triggering thing. It is like comparing RHEL or Ubuntu to HANA, Montana, Linux. And I am not exaggerating at all. That is, and so when you understand the technicals, it's, it's, it's like, okay, all right, I'm going to engage in this conversation, but they don't even really understand what they're talking about. And I don't mean to sound insulting. I have been following Bitcoin since 2010 from a technical standpoint. That's 12 years I have followed an open source project. So I have a very deep understanding of Bitcoin, right? and. I have spent the last 10 months deeply investigating the top 100 crypto projects, reading their white papers, tracking down their, their creators, the developers, following the communities. I have gone deep into all of this. And I have also, over the last year, been educating myself from a monetary policy standpoint. So I have a strong monetary policy understanding of how Bitcoin operates and how the other crypto projects operate. So, from a monetary standpoint, and from a technical standpoint, and from a community standpoint, and from a licensing standpoint, I do not consider Bitcoin equivalent to any of the other cryptocurrencies at all. And to associate myself with any of them, I find insulting. I find it gross. And so when somebody says, I don't like it when you talk about crypto, to, To imply that I'm talking about those other things, I find gross and insulting. And so I have to get past that. That's like my bias in these conversations is I have to realize that some people don't realize they're accusing me of promoting HANA, Montana, Linux when they say that because they just haven't dug into it. Right. And because people are technical in our community and they have an understanding of cryptology and they kind of get blockchain. They think they understand these projects, but there's a monetary aspect and there's a community aspect and there's a developer aspect and there's a licensing aspect Just like with every other free software project, the 100% makes a difference. And Bitcoin is nothing, nothing like those other projects. There will never be another project like Bitcoin because they've all come after Bitcoin. So they all have a founder. They all have a core team that has influence over the project. They're all going to give out tokens ahead of time. They're all centralized. None of them are decentralized like Bitcoin. Bitcoin's founder is gone. There's no one person that has influence. There's no Vitalik, right? There's no VCs backing Bitcoin like there is for Solana or all the other cryptos. And then when you combine the Lightning Network, which is an open source peer-to-peer payments network that makes it stupid cheap to do transactions on top of this free software chain. And when you understand the difference between fiat money and hard money and the difference between tokens and Bitcoin to compare the two is ludicrous there's 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 massive technical differences i hope when we talk about this stuff that people are giving me some runway based on my track record of getting this stuff right which i don't boast about but i have a pretty good track record overall and i'm telling you right now i've done the homework on this some of this I have been following for 12 years. And I don't know if you have that same bench of experience when you tell me you're sick of hearing us talk about crypto. But additionally, the shows are not about crypto, and I don't want to make them about crypto. So we have, after we were done introducing the concept of value for value, and after we were done introducing the concept of boosts and new podcast apps, and after we were done setting up our first node and self-hosting a node, where we run that Lightning Network and host, self-host, all of those booths locally here on the land. after we were done talking about that discovery, we have greatly reduced the amount we are talking about it. In fact, we really don't talk about it. We don't, we don't describe what a Satoshi is. We don't really talk about our node anymore. Uh, we don't really mention anything other than you can go get a new podcast app. And we've done that to balance it all out but what was really kind of at the core here is what really bothers them about it is it's associated with satoshi's and i i can understand that but i would challenge that comes from a lack of understanding of the core technologies and there is a very familiar headwind that i faced 15 years ago when i wanted to talk about linux in the pacific northwest in microsoft country very similar kind of headwind and very similar thing where chicken free software projects would be compared to legitimate projects that had gained real traction. And people would use that as reasons to just dismiss Linux altogether or dismiss free software altogether. And you have to realize there's nuance in all of this stuff. It's just the nature of it. And so I guess I'm asking for a little bit of faith and runway here. Now that said, this isn't a lot of negative feedback. This is just an open conversation I want to have. It's not like this has become like some big resounding issue, but I think it's worth bringing up now because I estimate based on my understanding of content creation, that if people are going to feel fatigued with it, it's about right now it's going to be setting in. That's my estimation. It's not something I've been hearing from a lot of people. I heard it from two people in our matrix room today. But I assume just based on what I understand about content creation, that Now is about the time this is an issue. So I want to address it now head on. The other feedback I got about the boosts, which on the majority is positive, but the other negative feedback I got about the boosts is that people don't like the soundboard clips when we do the boosts. And I totally get that. It's a show style thing. Like, for example, uh, in self-hosted, we don't play the soundboard clips. You know, we don't do it there. The flip side is a lot of people do really like them. And people like to play along. They like to kind of suggest soundboard clips we could play, like we just got the over 9,000 clip. And for some people, it incentivizes them to try to hit a certain mark so that way they can trigger a certain soundboard level. Uh, So it can be a subtle way to encourage uh, higher value boosts. But it also is a way to kind of break it up, make it fun. Um, For me, it's a creative expression, right? Um, I've thought about that a bit. Because the Linux community isn't really big on all that kind of stuff in general. Uh, I think the safe thing would be to err on the side of less. But it's sort of like driving, you know, Um, I could drive super safe all the time and I'd fall asleep and I'd get bored and I wouldn't do it. Or I can drive in a way that I find to be somewhat kind of still safe, but interesting, right? Like maybe drive my RV. That's a big challenge. I find that really interesting. Maybe take a back road, right? And go around twists. Have some fun with it. I find that a lot more interesting, a lot more challenging. So I'm more inclined to do that. So there's that element too, but it is always a balance and I'm always trying to walk that line and I don't want to overindulge. So that's feedback I take. And then one person mentioned that on some of the shows we're increasing the minimum sat amount to get in, to get a boost into the show. And I did that, I implemented that because some of our shows we want to keep to a shorter runtime like self-hosted or LUP. And so we just want to set a minimum threshold there. But they said that kind of feels like pay to play a little bit, Chris. And uh, I can see that point of view. Even though, like, they're giving me this feedback and they've inspired this entire, like, segment on the show using the free Matrix platform that we self-host for our community. (laughs) You know, that's always the irony. Like, I'm always taking this heat in, like, a free free feedback (laughs) form. But, you know.
1: Well, I think what's true here is that there are t- two ways to get in. One is maybe hitting that threshold, which is like, uh, I think, an unfortunate sign of success, really. Uh, but the other one is if you have a really amazing idea or piece of feedback or something like with true value in it that really sparks our, you know, tinkering brains and our you know. That will just cross the threshold without, you know, it's like skips to the front of the line. And, it does. Yeah. Um, I think that's yeah. really it. It's like either give us the, the best piece of feedback we've seen in the last week or, you know, or we'll read everybody else's that have reached a certain threshold because we can't possibly read them all at, uh, at this time. And it's just kind of the reality at this point. It's, it's a hard one.
0: There's a reality there of Showtime is valuable time. And it's not like the free mechanisms don't continue to persist. This is an addition, not a replacement. Email, Telegram. Matrix, it's all there still. You know, Mumble Room, it's all there. Some of it is even higher fidelity than the boost. Uh, But there is the element of, yeah, showtime's valuable. And I think that is kind of worth talking about here. It's like, you know, if you look at it, every minute counts in a podcast, especially one that you're trying to keep like a 45-minute runtime or a 50-minute runtime, or maybe a show you only do twice a month. So like, you know, you really got to get that content ratio right. And so airtime is valuable. And the nice thing about the boost is there is a value-for-value exchange there. And that's something we can give to the audience, but it's never meant to replace memberships or other mechanisms of feedback. It's a, it's meant to be as an additional way to support the shows, right? That's the thing. And so when we look at all of this feedback, like one of the things I take away from is like, I need to come up with a more clever way for the members, people who are on a a membership plan to give feedback, you know, like a, a way for like, like a bat line for the members.
1: Mm, I like that.
0: Right. Like I didn't even think about it beforehand, but then it just seems obvious in retrospect. Like, okay, yeah, like we got to we got to make sure the members are taken care of there. And I've got like other ideas for the members, like swag wise. But that I like, oh, that's the lesson I've learned here is make the members feel like they've got a bat line, too. So that's something we're going to work on there. And then we're always tweaking the balance of content, all of this and like soundboard clips and all of that. So it's it's a process. And each show we're iterating in real time every single week. And so sometimes sometimes happens as well, probably not to people listen to this show, but to other folks is they're two, three months behind. Right. So they're just getting to the point where we just discovered Umbral and the fact that we could self host all this. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like, wow, these guys are talking about this a lot. And it's like you fast forward three months. Yeah. And now it's just like we've integrated it. It's standard and we're not really focusing on it as much. It's just kind of how it goes, Brentley.
1: Okay, Acid Density has something in the chat room here. My only critique about boosts was it felt at times like it was being promoted as the only valid way to contribute, but that feeling has since faded. Hmm, that's a good piece of feedback. I will agree with that, actually. I I felt that a little bit as well, and not not because that was true. Uh, For Linux Unplugged, for instance, I'm constantly going through uh, all of the mail that we get, which some of it is incredibly great. We don't read it all because it doesn't all fit with the topic or maybe we've moved on or maybe that it's private and et cetera, et cetera. But I I do think that in the last, you know, four or six months, we have been putting extra attention on the boosts to promote them because we think the technology behind them is very interesting and because there are some really cool projects that we're contributing to and with, and they're contributing back to our website as well, like Podverse, for instance, that are um, doing some really cool things with open source technologies in the ways that we love. So it's kind of like the leading edge of some of this neat technology that's really fun to be a part of. So I, I, I think that criticism is valid, that it has felt that the boosts have been taking priority over some other feedback methods, but that that has switched recently.
0: Yeah, and there is also a workflow component here. So the boost came in at the right time when we really needed a system. And the beautiful thing here is the boost went into a database and they have a, a Rust server that sits in front of that. Yeah, and it has an API. What What did you say? A Rust server. Yeah, you want me to? <laughs> cool. And the great thing is, is that it's like, plugs right into our workflow because every bit of feedback that comes in is time stamped it's got the episode they were listening to the episode number and all of that is extractable from the database and sortable and organizable and fits right in with our workflow but the other thing that is honestly just brilliant about them is they're read only until we talk about them on air there's not a direct mechanism for us to hit reply and so that means i can read All of the boosts for all of the shows. But when you get to email, because I either feel compelled to reply or reply to some of them, or we got to save some of them for the show. I probably get to about 10 to 20 percent of the emails that come in because of that. But I can get to 100 percent of the boosts for all the shows. And in part, it's because they're read only. And the other thing is, is they're character limited. They're longer than tweets but they're character limited. So it's not a book. It's not paragraph after paragraph. And so because it's concise feedback that is read only, I can process that signal at, you know, 10x the rate I can process emails.
1: That, Chris, I think is a really valid insight. Um, I do, whenever I sit down to email, I know it's a process because I feel like they're two-way communications. And I always want to try to, you know, put a thoughtful reply um, if we can. Um, but that also means the opposite, which is that I miss some and I never get to them and et cetera, et cetera. And I feel pretty bad about that. So that is a fascinating insight and I think uh, says a lot about how archaic email might be. There's that, right? And then there's the, there's
0: just the, the element of, of it has also led to really great conversations in the shows. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite moments in the shows have been inspired by a boost question that we never would have put in the doc we never would have brainstormed and then the other thing i've noticed is it has made us follow up a lot more on things that we talk about once and then forget to follow up on forget to follow up like on how something went or what happened or like you've seen this happen several times with the boost it's like oh yeah right okay well, yeah here's what happened with that sorry i forgot to mention
1: that that happens all the time What's neat is, like, they're one-liners for something like that. They're one-liners in our show doc that, you know, usually Wes and I haven't read yet, but you could just mention quickly and we can touch on it for, you know, the next minute or two. And uh, it's a a super efficient method for us, really.
0: And there's also the element of it has been a great source of discussion and conversation during the summer lull. Like, there is a real drop in productivity in the free software community in the summer because a lot of the world does this thing called vacation. What? Yeah, and they take weeks off at a time. Weeks off. Like some of them. At
1: like the peak part of the year?
0: Yeah, like some of them are taking like six weeks off at a time. I don't even know how it works. Like, and then they come back and they still have a job. Like, I don't know, but it sounds like a fantasy world. But it turns out, outside of the States and other areas, there are parts of the world. And guess what? Those parts of the world also contribute to free software. And so guess what happens is you have you have a measurable drop in what's going on in the free software world. And uh, Joe and I always call it the summer lull. And it's something he and I talk about because we're always ingesting the news as fast as it happens. So that way we can talk about it, put it in the right shows, all that kind of stuff. Right. He and I are constantly following the news and you could probably chart it, you know, with with a graph in the summer. It just drops. There's just less activity going on. And so. Normally we'd have like 40 minute, 30 minute shows. Like we just would have shorter shows. And so instead we're having like these really great conversations. And in fact, we're talking about, okay, we got to reduce our runtime. We're talking about needing to reduce our runtime in the summer.
1: (laughs) It's a good problem to have.
0: Right. And so it's just, but you know, if you don't, if you don't know what goes into making the show, you might not realize that, but uh, it's just one of those things where it's like, this has been a great thing to have in the summer because we've got a lot to talk about now. Like we can show up knowing there's stuff to talk about in the summer. That's huge. Uh, and also it happens in the holidays in the winter too. You know, you can imagine a lot of people when they're scratching their own itch, when there's other things going on like vacation and holidays, guess what happens? They focus on other stuff. You can, you can, if you're following the news every single week because you got to talk about it on three different shows, you know, you notice those kinds of things. And the boosts have been a tremendous help in that way as well. Not to mention, and this is the last point, but this is what I remember being the strongest thing that I really felt when we first introduced them. It has been years since I felt like I've had that kind of connection with the audience, especially with the COVID stuff. Like it was, it was like all of a sudden a light went on in the darkness. Like I have felt really disconnected and I have felt really far. And, you know, especially when like Twitter's going on and you have Telegram and it's like, it only represents a portion of the audience. And so it's really easy to build this model of the audience in your head that isn't accurate. And when you bring in this another source, it's just a new source along with the other ones, it gives you another data point. It gives you another source of signal to build the, the appropriate model in your head of who you're talking to. And for me, it has been a tremendously healthy improvement to the model I have in my head. It has improved the virtual audience who I am talking to. When I'm speaking to the microphone, I have a better representation and a fonder representation of the person I am speaking to now. Because I'm speaking to this new group who gives me a new data input that is different than what I'm getting on Twitter, YouTube, and Telegram, and Matrix, and stuff like that, and uh, email. And for me as a content creator, the fact that this can come in in a dashboard where there has to be a bit of a monetary exchange to get it in front of me, and so we're both paying a cost. I'm paying my time, my energy, my emotional investment, the fact that this is my business and i'm this is what i'm spending my time on those are my costs and there's the sat cost for the person to send the message in and so we we both have a little bit of skin in the game it tremendously improves the level of 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 feedback that we get good and bad the negative stuff we we absolutely get like critical feedback and the positive feedback it is a step above what we get and what we traditionally email i'd say is the next best signal in terms of thoughtfulness and barrier, like it takes you a little bit of work to actually send an effing email, right? And then you have the contact form, and then you have Telegram and Matrix, and then you have Twitter, and then you have YouTube comments and like Reddit comments, right? And as you go down that stack, there's sometimes good stuff anywhere in that stack, but often it declines in quality, right? And so for me, somebody post-pandemic who's used to doing meetups and has been lived in this social bubble for a while now, to get this new signal, that we're, both of us have some skin in the game. And so the quality, the duration and the workflow are all better. And there's actually some monetary exchange there too. So it's like, even when I get bad dues, there's a little bit of sugar with it. You know what I'm saying? Like that medicine goes down a little bit better. And last but not least, I know I keep saying this, but it's, it's a shift. Podcasting will never be the same again. The number one advantage YouTube has over going off and doing a podcast, is if you are successful on YouTube, there is a guaranteed path to monetization. The platform will monetize for you. You just got to get the views. That's not how podcasting works. You got to get the views or the listens, and you got to go get the money. You got to do sales. You got to do something. You got you to gotta do both pieces. You don't just show up and podcast and get a big podcast and make money. In fact, it is all cost. It is all cost, right? Google pays for everything on YouTube. But for podcasting, you're paying for the distribution, you're paying for the hosting, you're paying for the domain name, you're paying for everything, right? Google's got you over there and then they're going to help you monetize it too. That's pretty attractive. But you see what it creates. You see what the results are of that. You see the incentives that creates and the problems with Google centralizing all of that. You're fully aware of that. That's not a problem podcasting has. And boosts and the Lightning Network offer, if they are successful, a potential default way to monetize podcasting that is creating the biggest customer out of the audience. So the podcaster and the business from get-go, from episode one, is 100% focused on super serving the audience. Because they're the ones consuming the content, and they're the ones paying for the content. So the incentives for the creator are 100% aligned with the incentives of the audience. Not an algorithm, not a multinational billion-dollar corporation, but with the audience. And it's being done over a free software peer-to-peer payment network that anyone can run on a Raspberry Pi in their home. It fundamentally is a land shift change for podcasting if it's successful. And it could keep podcasting independent and free for the next decade. Like it's huge because it allows us to maintain the public RSS format and the public directory format and giving the podcast away for free. But it avoids all of the evil incentives that are created by a centralized platform to monetize and to have an algorithm for discovery. It it could create something truly beautiful in independent media. Probably couldn't come at a more important time in human history when it comes to media, independent media, and what you can trust. Okay, now I'm truly done.
1: One perspective I keep coming to is like, Chris, if you and I were to sit down and we didn't know about Bitcoin, and we didn't know about Lightning, and we didn't know about the value for value and the boosts and stuff like that. And we sat down, we said, hey, we need a way... For listeners to support the podcast network? What would we come up with? And it would be something that is open source, that's decentralized. Built into the app. You could just push a button in the app. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Or even our new website, for instance. Yeah. It would be something that has, you know, relatively low barrier to entry. So yeah, you got to jump through a few technical hoops. That's actually an advantage for us because a few barriers to entry equals better content. We've seen that repeatedly on various platforms. Mumble is a great example of that.
0: Well, and if we don't have a a technical early adopter audience, who does, right? Like, so some of us have got it. That is very fair. Right. That's how we get this made is the early adopters. And that's us. We're the early adopters. And we we don't ask that everyone be an early adopter. But we're like, hey, if you want to run with scissors with us, come along, grab your
1: scissors, let's go. <laughs> it's fun. Um, so I keep thinking, like, what would we build differently? And I, I don't think I really have a great answer for that. Yeah, because the payment system, you
0: know, the fact that people could send us a fraction of a penny, right, is is remarkable. But there's the other aspect of the network effect here. So I was on the uh, podcast scene 2.0 show, like episode 94, Bells Out episode. And guess what happened? Several of our audience members boosted their episode because I was on there to say thanks for having Chris.
1: The opposite happened as well. We got uh, some new audience members from that.
0: Exactly. And they boosted in. And imagine what happens when the next Linux podcaster decides to try this. They're going to immediately have boosts coming in. And I know this because I'm on the Bitcoin dad pod and he's getting boosts from JB audience members all the time. And imagine what happens when the next free software developer or free software project the next interview we do, or the next project we talk about where they've got a Lightning Node address and we include them in our splits, they're going to get boosts. They're going to get sats. It just grows and grows and grows. To stop doing this because people don't like crypto would be the equivalent of me stopping to talk about, stop talking about free software and Linux 15 years ago because people liked Windows and Apple's ecosystem. I agree. If, If I was on here shilling Ethereum or Solona, you know, avalanche or whatever. Doge. Doge. Yeah. I think it'd be grotesque. And I think you should stop listening. Like I would not be mentally sane. Like I just couldn't, you know, but this, that's not Bitcoin. And I ask if you don't believe that to maybe trust that I've done the homework, that I've got 12 years of experience on this. And I've gone really deep on a lot of this stuff. And I've been doing it recently too. So it's like super fresh. Inclusion is Bitcoin and the lightning network are a net positive for both free software for podcasting and for all of humanity and the other stuff. 98% of it Monero and a few others accepted are probably absolute complete total scams in securities and should be completely cracked down by the SEC. And I just personally feel that way. And I, It's not a judgment call. If you like those things, good on you. You're probably going to make some money in the next, uh, I don't know, three to four years after the market comes back. But um, in the meantime, like, uh, just trust me that I've, I truly believe there's a differentiation there. And uh, if I didn't, I wouldn't talk about it on the shows like we have. And uh, the technology, the lightning technology, I think is super powerful. And I think we're going to see a lot of innovations there. Um, If you look at it just from a hiring standpoint, there's a lot of cool jobs. To build out the lightning network. There's a lot of applications being built on that right now. A lot of companies that are hiring to build on top of that. And it's all free software, guys. So it's pretty cool stuff. All right. Let's move the F on. Speaking of boosts. Boost a gray. Let's do a little bit of boosting. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. Like a clock. The Golden Dragon. Not only making it to live shows, hanging out in the Matrix... But boosting like a maniac, like talk about a community member who just before we launched the boost, I don't think I knew the Golden Dragon's name, and now like I feel like the Golden Dragon's a buddy of mine. Like I, I go, I'd go over to the Wing Shop and have a beer with the Golden Dragon, and uh, he boosted in with two thousand two hundred and twenty-two sats. A row of
1: ducks. I'm a duck, D-U-K, duck, loaded with talent.
0: And he uh, also has you in mind. He says, "I am coming in hot with this boost."
1: Coming in hot with the boost. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that one so much. I know. I, I, we got to get some new ones. People got to send us in some new ones. Uh, he says, last episode was a great show. One day, I hope to be good enough of a dev to give back to the community that has welcomed me with open arms. Thanks for the advice in my journey. Brent. Well, here's another piece of advice, I think.
1: Uh, our website is a great way to do that. There's some like, I, I hesitate to call them low skill tasks that we need done. But there, I, I have been tagging some stuff like, hey, this is a great first like beginner task and I fit that mold. I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to building a Hugo website, but some of these things are really straightforward, like some content or just changing something simple that can get your, you know, your big toe wet. So that, that would be an interesting place to get started.
0: Yeah. I'd say do something low hanging like that, that, um, gets you just familiar with using Git Mm -hmm. gets you familiar with interacting with a community that's working on something because that's a lot different than just working on something by yourself. Don't even worry about the language. Don't even worry about the tech necessarily. Um, This is advice I give on Coda Radio too. It's like, just get in there and learn to work with people, learn to work with Git, maybe GitHub. That skill set you can apply to any language, to any project. And it makes you immediately valuable to just about any other project if you've got that stuff figured out. So that's my
1: advice. I think one really nice thing about the website is that clearly the Golden Dragon's been listening for a long time. Uh, so you already have a lot of the con- like the context for this project. And you may not understand the technology that's underlying the whole website. But because you have a deep understanding of the context, uh, you can really apply a lot of great feedback to the whole process. And someone else can go implement the technical part. At least that's how I'm doing it. <laughs>
0: uh, and maybe one day that'll be you implementing the technical part as skills move forward, right? That's it's cool. TrevDev boosted in with some LeetSats. Boost and value for value are the only Web3 concept I like. Ugh. He says, the only thing I don't like about boost is that I cannot always get a reply with like I can with an email. Thanks for choosing Independence. Congratulations on the progress with the new site. The static site route is the best route. I agree. Very happy to have a static site after Yay. years of WordPress. Yeah. It, so it is tricky. There are definitely boosts that have come in where I'm like, oh, I would like to reply to that one. I've even thought about like, well, actually, OK, I have actually occasionally every now and then tracked folks down that are on Matrix because a lot of times people will boost in with their Matrix username as well. It's so like they use the same username. So then I can find them on Matrix and I can I can reply. So I actually have done that a couple
1: of times. I think I remember in Fountain, I think. I think I remember a feature in Fountain where you may be able to do replies, but I have not tried it, and I think it might be worth us investigating that.
0: I have done that once or twice as well. Thank you for reminding me. That is true. But for the most part, uh I'd say for like 99% of them, what I find to be beneficial is that I can't reply. I mean, you just think about that from That's like a true. processing standpoint. Yeah, I know.
1: I, we just mentioned that was the best. Part. Yeah. <laughs> and and actually we we probably reply much more thoughtfully on the show anyways. That's true. That's true. Then you get to you got to wait to hear it on the show, I
0: suppose. All right. So, uh, Dylan or Dylon boosted in with nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine sats, which I think Oof. is our top booster. He says, "Thanks. Yeah, it can be pronounced Dylon, but uh, Dylan or really just Dylan are acceptable." When I was young, I had a friend whose parents were from Germany, and they simply just cannot pronounce my name. So now I use it everywhere as my handle thanks again for the soundboard suggestion. I'd mentioned a couple of soundboards last episode. I look forward to running with scissors. So that's the other thing about the boost and the whole podcasting 2.0 thing is for 14 years kind of I felt like we've been in our own little bubble just doing our own little thing and not really part of anything else much. I mean we do have some Linux friends and stuff so I mean but I felt like it's been very isolated overall when you look at the entire podcast market and then. This podcasting 2.0 stuff, which includes the boosts and the namespace support and the new features we're all working on, it's felt like a broader community, like we're part of something bigger now. And for the first time, I felt like I'm working together with a bunch of peers to make the medium that we all love better, to like invest in the medium. And it's never felt better like that has felt like that's I've been I didn't realize I was
1: missing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would imagine for you as an early adopter of podcasting itself, this is like next level involvement and pretty darn exciting.
0: It was fun to be on the podcasting to Dodo show as well. One last boost came in from Rose Deer. Three thousand three hundred and thirty three sets boost on the topic of new RSS feeds for the shows. I'd be interested in an edited version of LUP, So Drew's edited version of the main show with an unedited free and post show. That's a monstrosity. <laughs> I know, Wes and I were talking about uh, this after the last office hours, because I think it might have been Optimus Gray or somebody boosted in and said, I'd like you know a, a different arrangement. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how wild would it be if we could just take the different chapters in our podcasts and release them as individual modules and then you could go to like a website dashboard oh, wow. and assemble the custom module feed that you wanted and generate your own one-off feed right that is so gr- you got to put a ticket in our website and <laughs> make that, that is well, a we really gotta,
1: fabulous idea
0: we got to get to the uh, generating generating our own rss feeds part first we'll, we'll get there we'll
1: get there but it feels like a little bit like spins Uh, of some of the distributions, you know, you like uh, put your own Lego pieces together. I love this idea. I think it sounds technically very challenging. It sounds really fun as a user. You'd want like something on the back end that
0: could read the chapters of the MP3 file and cut it up and then, you know, deliver it. It
1: it sounds like the technology is there though. It's just about putting it together
0: yeah i imagine right you'd want to include the ads because you know otherwise people just cut out all the ads all the time (laughs) but what if they're (laughs) a member (laughs) yeah right that's the thing if they're a member (laughs) then they should get the ability not to include them right but your
1: ads are so great sometimes you just want to hear them
0: you know you say that but we actually have gotten feedback from the members they're like i actually don't mind the ads i just want to support you and so they (laughs) some of them might actually choose to include them (laughs) we have a member's ad feed as well So, uh, Rose dear, I have uh, no idea exactly what we're going to do, but as we build out this new infrastructure, I'm starting to see new possibilities. I imagine, I imagine Wes listening right now, going, "Oh
1: God!" Yeah, Wes shut just up. commented on it. I could see him shut, commenting yeah. in real time. It's pretty funny. He's
0: like, "Shut up, shut up, just don't say anything." <laughs> we got some thank you boosts, 100 sats from Marcel. Uh, he says uh, plus one for the only bonus stuff feed idea. That was the one we got last week. Was just the bonus stuff feed. And then, oh, this is actually our top baller. I apologize. I didn't realize this. 10,000 sats from Silver Snake. No message, just a thank you. So thank you, uh, Silver Snake. You are a back home baller in our <laughs> neck of the woods. Sure. If you. If you'd like to uh, send a boost into the show, go get a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com. I love Fountain FM and Podverse. Those are fantastic. If you're on iOS and you're just jonesing for CarPlay, Castomatic o matic is uh, definitely worth a look. And if you don't want to switch apps, you like your app, well, then go get Breeze, bree Technology or boost us in with Boost CLI. I think it's been weeks since anybody has boosted with Boost CLI. That's true. I guess the so command sad. line is just... It's too hard for people. Mm. Well, we'll see. It's Too hard. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, and uh, all fifty uh, percent of all of those uh, boosts go to uh, Brent, Gas Tank Fund to get him out here to the studio in a few weeks. So thank you, everybody. We appreciate that. And uh, that was also a fun experiment in Brent running his own node. Mm.
1: Should,
0: we should like like have you dive in and do? Yeah, like, we a, should give an update, a retrospective.
1: Sure. You're right. Yeah, maybe on the next office hours.
0: Maybe, maybe. In the meantime. We'll have links to the stuff we talked about over at officehours.hair slash nine. You can also subscribe to our RSS feed over there because we got a ton of stuff coming up. Besides the website, we've got a road trip project. And then after that, I mean, there's a lot. But one of the things on my radar that I know we're going to need to organize here on the show with the community is I want to take the taxis to the next level. And I think we're, I think this is going to be where we plant our flag and organize that. So that way we can come to Linux Unplugged with great results. You know what I mean? So that'll be coming up way in the future because we've got website stuff still. we got road trip stuff, but we got... T- I mean, there's just a lot going on still. So go to officehours.hair slash subscribe so that way you're on the inside loop of everything that's going on over at Jupiter Broadcasting. And, of course, we got our contact page over there where you can send us into contacts for free. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode. In the meantime, office hours are over. It's mine again. Go on. Get out of here. And please, take your garbage with you, would you? I'm not your dad. See you next time.